Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to TCK Care, the podcast. Uh, joining us today is an author, uh, Jen Michelle. Did I pronounce that correctly? You did. Okay, yeah. super. And Jen's book is, let me just read you the title and you'll see why she's on the show. It's called Keeping Place, Reflections on the Meaning of Home. So obviously she had to be on TCK Care, the podcast, to talk about what home means what home means to her. So Jen, welcome to the podcast. And I just wanted to ask you the famous TCK question, where are you from? Well, it's great to be here, Stephen. I have as much trouble answering that question probably as most of your listeners. Um, currently, I live in Toronto, Ontario, and I've been here eight years. And I think this is the longest that I've actually lived anywhere in my life. So kind of crisscrossed um, the Midwest and a little bit of the South when I was a child growing up for following my dad for his job and education. And then went to Wheaton College for um, university and stayed in the Wheaton area for, for a bit. And then out to Ohio and back to Chicago and then finally to Toronto. So I don't know where that makes me exactly from. I know that whenever I have conversations with people here in Toronto, they say, you know, after I kind of talk for a little while, they say, you're not from here, are you? Yeah. I'm like, what is it that gives, gives it away? <laughs> That's great. If you don't mind asking, uh, when were you in the Wheaton area? I was at Wheaton College 92 to 96, and then um, we lived actually in Arlington Heights till 2001 and moved away for three years, and then we were back in actually Elmhurst from mm -hmm. 2004 to 2011. Oh, no kidding. I yeah. was in Wheaton from 2005 to 2006, and then my family moved to Carroll Stream, and I was there from 2006 until I got married in 2009. And I've been okay. back on and off. Um, so we've sort of crossed paths a little bit. And then I was just saying that um, my wife's part of my wife's family is in the Toronto area. So definitely got a lot of overlap, which is kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. now, I feel like, you know, as soon as you start talking to another Christian, they have, might have some connection to Wheaton, right? Yeah, <laughs> or Colorado true. Springs, or I don't know, there are a few hot spots. <laughs> right. Yep. That's true. You know, a Christian, there's definitely going to be some overlap. Someone involved in missions, definitely more likely, yes. you know, the world just keeps That's getting right. narrower and narrower. So I hear that. So you said that you, your dad was in education and uh, that caused your family to move around quite a bit when you were growing up? Yeah, my dad was a high school teacher until I was in about kindergarten. Then he decided to go back for more education. So he did his master's in Missouri and then his PhD at Kent State. And then we moved for a couple of different faculty positions. And then eventually he left teaching and just sort of felt like he was at small liberal arts, Christian liberal arts colleges and okay. was honestly just not making a lot of money and kind of felt like this is really tough to support my family. I'd like my kids to be able to go to college too. So right. um, we ended up moving back to Ohio when I was in middle school. Um, so he left teaching at that point and um, went into business. And we were also moving back to Ohio because my my mom's parents were from there and they were getting older and she wanted to be closer to home. Mm, yeah, that's cool. Family is definitely a good reason to move around too and be close that's to family true. And stuff. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. So, uh, Jen, if, uh, if you don't mind uh, kind of jumping into things here, um, can you just tell me a little bit about keeping place? Um, specifically, what, you know, what are you, what are you saying in keeping place and why did you say it? Yeah. 
You know, it really is a kind of a follow-up, I mean, unofficial follow-up, I guess, from my first book, which is Teach Us to Want. And that was sort of an exploration of desire and longing. And mm. I think just writing that book helped me to identify that really probably my my most primary desire is the desire for home. Mm. And I, that means a whole bunch of different things. You know, I think that means belonging. I think that means... I think that means geographical connection. I think it means, I think they're just, I think they're geographical dimensions to that, emotional, spiritual. Mm-hmm. Um, and so looking toward, you know, thinking about that longing and desire for home, I really wanted to explore that more. And that's really where Keeping Place comes in. It's just exploring the desire for home as a desire. Like, why do we have that desire? Mm-hmm. Um, how do we kind of make sense of our modern dislocation. I think that most of us experience, whether or not, you know, you've kind of moved around as much as I have, or maybe some of your other listeners have, I think that all of us, I mean, this would be like a Walter Brueggemann would say that kind of our crisis that today is rootlessness. Mm -hmm. And I don't think he probably just means that for MKs and expats, but I think we all sort of experience that. Um, And so just kind of, yeah, wanting to understand not only the desire for home, but the sense of dislocation and really the hope of the gospel. You know, I really do think as I finished writing Keeping Place, I mean, and and throughout the whole process really is just identifying home as the first gift that God gave to humanity Mm. and it being the last gift that he's going to give to humanity. And I think And I think there are all these different dimensions, again, of home. I think we find our home, most importantly, in God. You know, I think that there is a spiritual, there's a spiritual dimension to that. But I do think there's a geographical one, too. You know, that God made a garden for his people, for the first, our first parents. And they were connected to a place. And we see place being so primary to the vision of um, the new Jerusalem. It's a city that um, comes out of heaven and there it has all these, you know, geographical features of Mm -hmm. um, trees and rivers and Mm -hmm. streets. And, you know, so it's making sense. I get I think when I finished Keeping Place, I realized how Gnostic I've really been um, in so much of my Christian life. I haven't really paid a lot of attention to being an embodied creature and also an emplaced one. Mm. And so finishing that book was a way of saying, yeah, okay, now I know why I long for home. Now I know why I don't experience home as I so deeply long for it here. Mm-hmm. But boy, I'm really looking forward to what's ahead, to knowing that my deepest desires are going to be satisfied um, in God and with God, with his people. Right, yeah. So you had, uh, Jen, you talked about a couple of the dimensions of home, um, the spiritual aspect of home, um, the geographical aspect of home. Are there more that you can think of? Yeah, I think there's a communal aspect of home as well. Community being so primary to the vision, again, of the garden of, and of the new Jerusalem. It's not, you know, in contrast, I guess we could say to C.S. Lewis's um, book, and now it's failing me, the, the title where he talks about hell, a vision of hell, where people keep moving further and further away from each other. Mm. Um, the name will come to me eventually. But, you know, we see in the garden and also in the New Jerusalem of a communal vision. It's where people mm. live together in harmony. Mm-hmm. They're not just these solitary individuals. They make sense of reality together and they, ex- they walk with God together. Mm. Um, so I think there's, 
geographical, spiritual, um, social. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think we could probably even say vocational, mm. that there's work um, in our first and our last home. Um, I mean, I think there's there's a lot of different things to explore. I think there's emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely, you know, it's not just that God made a place for his people, but there really was an intentional kind of, I think, homemaking mm-hmm. involved in God's creative activity. And anyone who is involved in that kind of work, which I am. I have five children. I'm married. I've been married for over 20 years now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would say one of my primary roles is as a homemaker. And I think anybody who does that kind of work, and it's not just women, I think men do it too. We mm-hmm. know that to make a home isn't just to make the beds, you know, that there's right. a lot of emotional connection um, when we think about homemaking. So those are some of the primary ones that I think I'm sort of exploring throughout the book. Mm-hmm. Well, that's really cool. And then um, going back to what you were saying earlier, Jen, you were talking about um, the desire for home and how that really uh, put um, put the fuel in your fire to write this book, just um, understanding that desire and uh, living with that and processing that and stuff. I was going to say, you know, desire is such a such an interesting word to me it's something that can be really good and really positive and really motivational and yet it can also be something that's so easily warped like the more you want something the harder you're willing to fight for it and the more you're willing to sacrifice and perhaps going even further compromise for it right Mm -hmm. and so Mm -hmm. desire can always be this really good beautiful powerful thing or can be this really destructive force in your life do you find that um, do you find that the desire for home um, is that way that it's both good and bad Yes. I think it like so many desires, I guess I would sort of, first of all, take like an Augustinian perspective that, you know, desire is only good in so far. It's not just about the object of desire, right? It's not just whether or not the object of desire is good or bad, but whether or not it's rightly ordered so that our first desire has always got to be God and to desire. And truthfully, some of us could probably desire home more than and even apart from God. I think, Mm -hmm. you know, I think even in my own life, so much of my desire for home, when I think about the desire for stability, for example, a lot of that can sort of lead me toward an impulse of control, you know, wanting to kind of tie up all the loose ends of life, you know, settle down, make, um, make something solid and secure. And it, it, Mm And while I think the desire for stability is a really good one, and I think we are made for stability, um, more than we're made for migration, I would say, um, I think we have to reckon with what life looks like kind of in the middle act that where we are right now. Mm -hmm. And so that the desire for stability could become corrupt. We could... um, like you said, compromise certain things. We could compromise even a call of God in our lives. Right. You know, when you think yeah. about the missionary call, there, it's very paradoxical, isn't it? That while while I'm saying that the bookends of Scripture really start and end with home, we have Jesus in the Great Commission who says, "Go, mm. you know, go and tell nations, um, make disciples of all the nations." Like this this commission to go, which is which is a leaving, which is a is a loss of stability, I mm-hmm. think, in, in, in a geographical sense. Mm-hmm. We could compromise that, that call of the gospel with, by hanging so tightly and clinging to our stability. Um, I mean, there are lots of other ways, too. I mean, I think a lot of relationally, 
Mm-hmm. Um, I see this a lot, you know, as people desire marriage and desire children and, and this kind of social aspect of home. Um, well, there's lots of compromise that could be involved in that, you know, tying our committing ourselves to people that, um, God wouldn't really have us want want us to be married to, you know, yeah. choosing a relationship with a non-believer yeah. or um, choosing to have children at all cost. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, wow, we could really go down that road, but <laughs> I'd have to say that I don't want to point my finger at anybody else. Like, because as my dad always taught me, whenever you point a finger at someone else, three fingers are pointing back at you. And I right. feel like, in tracing kind of the desire for home, I've been able to say, this is something that I think is really good. And I think God is has given us, I think our desire for home makes sense in light mm-hmm. of the biblical story. Yeah. Um, but I do think we have to exercise the caution of wanting home um, right now, fully now. Mm-hmm. I think that as um, C.S. Lewis would say, one of the best things about desire is that when we see that our desires can't fully be satisfied in this world, we remember that we're made for a better one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that when you when you said that, that our desires in this life, especially when they're unmet, um, point to the fact that you know we're made not for this world, but for but for the next ultimately, and so yeah. and so really the fulfillment of those desires is yet to come. In a way, you could say the best is yet to come, uh, always. Yes. Um, and I think that's mm-hmm. very encouraging to hear, especially you know, as a TCK who grew up uh, traveling a lot uh, myself. I think that a lot of TCKs grew up um, with a very, with a perhaps, uh, perhaps distorted or perhaps overly emotional or perhaps mm-hmm. um, discouraged view of what home can be and uh, what that desire yes. inside um, can do. Um, so it's really encouraging to think of, you know, the desire is there for a good reason, and it's there to point us to things that are yet to come um, and to point mm. us to our true home, you know. So that's that's really encouraging um, thought to take from that. Mm. I'm glad. Yeah. Um, perhaps you've already talked about this, but I was going to ask what would be the what – w- what would your advice be in searching out the integrity of your desire? Because – like you said, you know, any desire uh, can be good or bad. And so uh, with a desire of home, I think that like for someone, especially who is uh, left home um, in any sense of the word, geographical, spiritual, communal, whatever, somebody who's left home is going to feel, is going to feel that deeply. And so what would your, does that, what would your advice be on um, in understanding that desire in yourself and discerning whether or not it's good or bad or what is good and bad about it. Mm. One of the things that has been really helpful for me, and this is another kind of turning point in the book in writing the book, but also in the book itself is um, when I was able to finally identify, you know what, I want a lot of the benefits of home, but I don't really want any of the burdens of home. (laughs) Like I want to receive home as a gift yeah. Um, and, and, and that kind of puts you in that sense of like feeling maybe estranged. It's easy to feel estranged from home. Like it's out there somewhere. Mm-hmm. If only I could just return to it. And I think return is actually exactly how, how we think of it. I think because 
we've all left kind of paradise has been lost for all of us. Um, That's what the biblical story tells us. And, and many of our own kind of histories, personal histories are about loss, you know, so that sense of nostalgia and return of, if only I could go back, I could receive home. I could have that gift again. I could have all of the benefits of home. And so I feel like that's very often been me of sort of, not sort of paying much attention to where I am now, but often thinking like home is on some sort of distant horizon. And um, yeah, it's, it's feeling estranged from it and just sort of waiting to, to have it again. Mm. Um, whereas I think that home is about benefits and burdens. Um, and I think that's, again, what we see in the biblical story is like, it is so interesting, isn't it? That in the way that creation is told, it's all about the benefit for humanity, but it's not, actually, it's about the work of God. It's about, we could, we could really probably say his burdens, the burdens of homemaking and housekeeping that he took up for the benefit of humanity. And that's kind of a striking aspect of the creation story, one of them, when you can contrast it with other creation narratives in the ancient Near East, is that it's not God's creating humanity just to like serve their every whim and desire, but really, and and yes, like we know that we're meant to serve God, but here it is very paradoxically, God kind of working on behalf of humanity. And so when I, and so I think to have the full story of home, you have benefits and you have burdens. And if I think desire goes awry when you really only want the benefits, you never want to take act, uh, take up the burdens of home for another person. And here's where here's a story that I could tell that hopefully will kind of clarify that better than I'm trying to say it now. Henry Nowen, in the parable of the prodigal son. Or, I forget what he calls his book, but it's about the parable of the prodigal son. He says there's, you know, for so long, he contemplated that parable and often thought of himself in the role of the brothers, you know, the the younger brother and, and also the older brother. And he could really kind of identify with the brothers, but he started to think like, what if God is actually moving me into the role of the father, hmm. that I'm not just the one that receives the welcome. I'm the one who's meant to be extending the welcome. Hmm. And I think that actually really does make sense of the mission of the church as, as, as we are commissioned to be the hand, the welcoming hands and feet of Christ in the world, which means that now we take up the burdens of setting the table Hmm. of, of the expense of the feast Mm -hmm. of the, you know, of, of the ill repute of, you know, welcoming people that aren't, aren't, aren't supposed to be welcomed at the table. I mean, if you take the, take a look at that parable and you think about all the burdens that the father took up for the benefit of the son. And that has been really so helpful to me because Mm -hmm. wherever we find ourselves, no matter how estranged we feel from the benefits of home, we can take up the burdens of home for another person. You know, for, I live in Toronto. I'm not from Toronto. I don't, um, it, whether or not it feels like home, I mean, goodness, that's a, that's a longer discussion, right? Mm-hmm. But there are plenty of people in my city who feel exactly as I do, hmm. estranged from home. Yeah. Well, I know home. I don't, I know it with God. I mm-hmm. know the welcome, the the sense of like the soul rest, you know, mm-hmm. of, of, of being 
in communion with my creator and knowing where the story leads. Who else can, you know, can take up the burdens of home if I can't, you know, and that might mean, and that there's practical things about that. I mean, I certainly mean that in the sense of my own family, you know, I do take so seriously the work of home for the hospitality that I'm meant to show to my own children and my husband, you know, there, mm. when you think of our, your life as like a, a series of concentric circles, like I think it's very easy to think about the outer circles and often easy to ne- ignore and neglect the inner ones. So mm. working my way out, you know, I'm, how do I take up the burdens of home to welcome those closest to me and my family? And then the people on my very street mm. and then the people in my neighborhood And the people in my city and then out from there, you know, how do I do that? How do I become a kind of the kind of person for whom hospitality is my essential posture? Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I mean that practically being the kind of person who welcomes people into my home and, and to my table. But I also mean that welcome them into my confidence, into my life. Um, Well, like where people feel like. They are known, they're recognized, they're received, that they belong somewhere, that they'd be missed if they weren't, um, if they weren't to show up to their right. life, you know? Yeah. This is the kind of thing that I think we can always show to other people, even when we ourselves feel a bit estranged from it. Because the mm. truth is, we are partially estranged from home, but not fully, like, because, you know, in John, what, is, what does Jesus say? He says, you know, if you love me and keep my commands, my father and I, we will come and we will make our home with you. Mm. We are experiencing home in part, and I would say in much larger part than people who don't know God and may have a connection, a geographical connection to their city that we don't have. Mm. I think our experience of home can, it can, is still deeper and richer and some and some uh, something that to share. I don't know so if that makes sense, but that's how I've started to parse it out is to see this distinction between benefits and burdens, mm-hmm. to remember all the benefits that I've already received and am yet to receive enable me to take up the burdens of home for other people. Hmm. That's that's absolutely beautiful. And if you're listening to this and you're a TCK or in the TCK community, in the TCK world, perhaps a TCK caregiver, I would encourage you to take this podcast and give it to somebody who's not. Give it to our you know, brothers and sisters in Christ who are not a part of the TCK community because I think that it's, you know, it's. I, I, I hope that it is our responsibility to assume some of the burdens of home, not as, not as the TCK community, but as the body of Christ. And mm. I love that that idea of what you're talking about, that we can have a sense of home, even if we don't have the geographical concept um, rooted in our hearts, we can still have the spiritual and the communal concepts very mm. much firmly established in our lives. And then we can take that and use that, leverage that um, to positively impact society and impact culture. Um, and mm. to, you know, I love the picture that you painted of like, you know, being, um, creating a space where people feel missed when they don't show up and, you know, they're no, their absence is noticed and felt and stuff like that. That's, yes. yeah, that's absolutely beautiful. And I hope mm. that, I hope that that can be true for all of us as uh, brothers and sisters in Christ and not just TCKs. And I could see it being especially challenging for a TCK who has, you know, like, like you or me, Jen, grown up traveling a, a lot and perhaps doesn't feel the geographical 
or perhaps some of the communal or emotional components of home mm. to um, believe in the burden of home. But I think it's there for us. I really think it is. Mm. Yeah. Well, it looks like we are winding down on our time together, but this is uh, this has been fantastic. And Jen, I just wanted to ask if there, if you have any uh, final words or word of advice, takeaway, famous quotes or anything to uh, to wrap up our uh, discussion. Hmm. I always tease my kids that um, I, I ran a qu- across a quote by a literary critic who essentially said that the that the novel is um, the search about the search for home. That you could kind of take every story in every novel and reduce it to that. Hmm. And so I laugh and tell that my kids like every book that they read, and then I extrapolate and say every movie that we watch, <laughs> it's <laughs> nice. all about the longing for home. But I think it's really true. I think mm. um, to say that we are the kinds of people who long for home, is, is a, it's a shared longing um, with our neighbor. And I think mm-hmm. it is such a bridge of connection for people. When I think about sharing my faith with my neighbors in a secular city like Toronto, so many things, you know, we're, we're at, we start from so many different assumptions, mm-hmm. but one assumption I think that we can, that we share and that we know, um, collectively is, is this longing for home and this sense that like home is a gift we're supposed to be enjoying. And I've been in, I've been enjoying talking to people, making that a bridge of connection, um, with other people as I talk about the gospel, um, and look for ways to connect to their sense of homesickness, um, and also their longing for home. Yeah, that's good. So you can search for home, you can search for it everywhere, but definitely keep an eye out for it in, in, in stories and narratives and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Well, thank you so much again, Jen, for joining us on TCK Care, the podcast. And, yeah, thank you for having me. Oh, and I should mention also, if you are listening to this and you want to read uh, Jen's book, Keeping Place, I will provide a link for that in the uh, in the show notes on tckcare.com. So you can go directly to Amazon or you can go to tckcare.com and there will be a link and directing you back to Amazon to find Keeping That's Place. Right. So there you go. Okay, thanks, Stephen. You've been listening to TCK Care, the podcast with me, Stephen Black, as we share stories and strategies for supporting TCKs. Hosting and producing TCK Care, the podcast is a part of my ministry, which is made possible by the generous support of my financial partners. If you would like to make a one-time or recurring pledge, please go to tckcare.com slash give. Don't forget to subscribe to the show, rate it on your favorite podcast app, and stay tuned for more TCK Care coming up next week.